0: Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Mike Hanfler and Michael Sidgwick, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture cool Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite but also NXT, Raw, SmackDown, per Views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course. On wrestle culture, as I said, though, joined by Hample and Sidgwick to look ahead to Dynamite tonight and Michael Sidgwick. All the fallout from Double or Nothing,
1: uh, yes, I don't really know what to make of this dynamite because the, the storytelling patterns have been thrown askew mm. of late. I think because of the scheduling ahead of um, Double or Nothing, um, certain beats felt like they were too soon. Ahead of that pay-per-view, like, I just—I don't know what I expect from this Dynamite show. All I know is that I can see directions in the women's division, which is good because now that is the challenger, now is the time to build faces, and I feel like there's one tonight. I have no idea where Pinnacle Inner Circle goes because I'm just not familiar with the beats of a storyline that's been plotted like this, so Christ knows. But I'm anticipating some solid booking to build a challenger in the women's division, and I've got your clickbait sentence Wilbourne, I'm expecting a big return in a match. Well, I'm, I'm going to wait till the mid-rollout ad to, to reveal who I think <laughs> the big is going to be, but we'll get to that
2: as we get to it. I'll say this for AEW. Normally, when you start a podcast mentioning fallout, it's because we've got nothing to actually talk about. Mm. Um, based on the Dynamite rating last week, they'd be forgiven for not tanking these Friday shows, but holding stuff back, you know? They've maybe noticed that there's only so well you can do in a difficult slot with an audience that is more than prepared, perhaps, I don't know, to catch up after the fact rather than tuning in live on a Wednesday. I'm not sure with that being a go-home show. They'll probably have a little bit more momentum than they had last week because you're coming off the back of a pay-view rather than leading into one. But this card reads like one that we talk about on a Wednesday afternoon. Hmm. So I think they deserve a little bit of respect for trying to stick to whatever their plans were despite obvious like difficult scheduling changes if like this could potentially happen next week as well isn't it Mm. it's it's really not ideal but in terms of trying to like plot the storylines and go fairly sort of I don't know fastidiously week by week we know what happens when they get taken off course and I kind of admire that they're attempting not to do that in spite of the fact that they're like staring down the barrel of half their audience not catching it yeah, should AEW be worried
0: about the rating SIG 526,000 uh, last week, a 0.2 in the 18 to 49 demo? Obviously, vast drops, but also partially excused by the fact that I mean, we've seen the same with, with uh, shows across the board, basically, because of the NBA. Uh, and obviously, due to the not only the day change, but the time change. But are you concerned? Should uh, uh, I say this because certain areas of the internet made a big thing of this rating when it came out? But I'd love to know your response to certain areas. Well, certain areas of Twitter. I'll just limit it to that. Made a big thing about this. What do you make of it all, mate?
1: It was an evidently bad number that you can place an absolutely gigantic asterisk to. In fact, you can place several asterisks next to it. It was a Friday in an unprecedented age in which things are starting to open up, and Friday is actually a social night. The weekend wasn't great for it. Uh, The competition forced it to a ridiculous slot for the first time they've occupied it. And looking at today's Wrestling Observer, the DVR viewership after the fact went up to about 900,000, which is consistent with some of the better programs. That indicates to me that the, um, the core audience still wanted to watch this episode, mm. just not at the time it was thrust upon them through circumstances. Um, as ever... I like to take a step back these days and try not to do too many impulse reactions. That sound like a subtweet at you, Hampton, because that's the name of your pay-per-view article. It absolutely <laughs> wasn't. it was just the first thing that came to my head. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Like patterns are important. Hmm. It's not about one-off things, it's about patterns. Um, it's just an aberration of a rating that was pretty much um covered in terms of the usual numbers on DVR viewership, which indicates to me that. It wasn't for a lack of interest, it was just for a lack of convenience, that the live number in that woeful slot, which, you know, doesn't really, it's, it, could, it scans as ominous, ahead of Rampage, but that's the number that they first got. I expect Rampage to be headlined and built by like this massive match for the first ones, that's mm. another story, another discussion point for another day, but in short, no, not at all.
0: Well, thankfully, the rating will go up this week because they've got some proper WWE talent on this show. Mark Henry's going to address the (laughs) AEW audience. I'm joking. Calm down. Delete the tweet. Chill out. Uh, Mark Henry addressing the AEW audience, obviously unveiled at Double or Nothing. Uh, Hamfler, what do you think he's going to say? And what do you think of this announcement? We sort of covered it on our Double or Nothing review, but it's worth going over again.
2: Yeah, I, I hope he doesn't say a great deal. Um, I've got nothing but praise, really, for how they've handled having Paul White so far. They've stayed true to their intent, weird as it is to have a seven-foot commentator, but that's what he was there to do, and I'm guessing like provide advice and guidance backstage. Um, Mark Henry is a sellable asset for this and this alone. By that, I mean, absolutely, if there is a shred of buzz about Mark Henry signing for AW that came off the back of Double Nothing. I don't think it was a lot. I think there's more buzz for AEW's product than that guy that used to work for WWE assigned for us. Promote it this week. Maybe try and boost a rating. Um, Well, use it as one of the things to boost a rating. I think there's plenty of other things that are more interesting than Mark Henry speaking. But yeah, like, if anything, like the selling it just enough to not mention it again would perhaps be underselling it and therefore undermining why you bring a guy like Mark Henry in the first place. But as much as this, like, would typically scream angle alert. I kind of hope it's not. I don't, especially not this early. I don't think I want Mark Henry folded into angles, and I just hope that they've not tried to fool us. They've not used the Big Show as the guy that has got nothing to do with anything to make you think the same's going to happen with Mark Henry, and then he's going to salmon jacket us, and he's going to be involved in like say a salmon like, you know, jacket. <laughs> is, is that what this is? Is there like? Is it? Does it turn out that like the Big Show is a kind of red herring for Mark Henry, and there's actually a program? and forth, I kind of hope not. I think as the years have passed, people have been maybe a bit too kind to Mark Henry's quote-unquote good run in WWE. like, had a good year and one amazing promo. Like I've got no ill will against Mark Henry, but let's not Gandaft with like what he actually accomplished in WWE. And yeah, I don't want the Big Show thing to be a red herring and him to get sucked into an angle. I'd quite like this to just be, oh, we just probably we got Mark Henry. He says a quick hello. Maybe a heel slags him off and banters him off. And that's it. I don't need more than what we got on Sunday, to be honest.
1: I've got no idea what it's going to say. And that is usually because I don't really care. Like if, you know, ex-active roster member was going to get interviewed by Tony Schiavone, I would talk about what angles he might uh, be involved in or they might be involved in. And then, you know, fantasy book on the back of that. It's he's he's not going to work, or at least he's not going to like be involved in an angle. I just think he's going to plug Rampage. There will inevitably be some kind of a cheap uh joke aimed at WWE's expense, it's just part of AW's bread and butter. Mm. Like, oh, well, I'm going to the back again, shagging. <laughs> That's what I used to do in the other place, something <laughs> like that, you know. Um. I'll, I'll take whatever is given to me and I'll react accordingly to whatever whatever that development is. For now, just watch Rampage and do a cute WWE joke. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be a, a good hand here in,
0: in AEW, Mark. Thank you for everything. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Exactly. Um, one match we can look forward to tonight, Siege, and I sense you're very looking forward to, is the Young Bucks versus Pac and Pente El Zero Miedo. Um, yeah, great seeing the Nobeds back on telly. I yeah, just, that's all I'm going to call them now because they are the wrestling knobheads. And I mean that in the in the nicest possible way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be absolutely terrific. It's got no chance of not being absolutely terrific, tremendous, every superlative you wish to throw at it. And what I like about it, it's that I think on one level, it's an excuse. The young books are telling the story and it's visualized wonderfully by this just hubristic knobhead, as you say, attitude. They're dying their beard, spending loads of money. Like, How ridiculous are they going to look in one or two months' time? I love that. But what all of this is meant to convey visually is that the Young Bucks, and they've said this in canon, are untouchable. I think this is, on one level, a freebie dream match of, oh, well, we're still great. We stole the show, double or nothing. And look at this match we just had on Dynamite. We are literally untouchable. And they're going to near that peak where they look more ridiculous and they have more matches like this. And then we'll eventually get a firm direction as to who's going to completely lance this idea and take the titles off them. That We're nowhere near that yet. But this is just a quiet building block in where the very best. And if that reads as dry and functional, who cares? It's Nick Jackson and Pac and, Penta and Matt Jackson in a match. Like this should be incredible. And um, it's going to, I'm assuming they're keeping the same fans set up. So it will be a continuation of this new strain of incredible that we're getting from pro wrestling, Touchwood or so it would seem. There's a million spots you can uh, fantasy book in this match. The greatest thing about the heel Young Bucks is that not only can they construct these wonderful matches that just build and build and build and twist and twist, is that they can do the dickhead thing. They can do zero miedo right in front of Penta's face before they do the BTE trigger. Like it's going to be full of those little character moments as well. And I think that the Young Bucks will win. Mm-hmm. I think that the uh, Good Brothers will descend on the scene, join for a beatdown. And maybe this could be the site of Phoenix's return. Mm. He was injured, hence why he didn't appear at. Uh, double or nothing in any capacity, not even as a body in the Battle Royale. But I don't know the status of his injury, but so I'm just throwing it out there. But what happens with Phoenix is that he works such a style that he tends to get banged up easily and then comes back. And maybe I'm bargaining, so I would just like to see Ray Phoenix, but I expect that to be the case. He could come back, save Death Triangle, and Frankie Kazarian could oh. come out as well, setting up some kind of in two weeks' time, because Kenny Omega's got jungle Boot. Jungle book, jungle boy, in a week. I don't know. I think they could do some kind of insane multi man by threading all of these various um players in this web together. Kazarian and Death Triangle versus Omega, the Bucks, and Nakazarot. There's loads of different permutations, but I've I kind of got a feeling that Phoenix is going to come by. Just a word on what you were saying there about how
0: the young books are going to get even more preposterous. I just the thought, and I'm not suggesting that people should go and do this, but it's also very much within their wheelhouse where whatever the tag team they're going to be facing, we, we tackle it actually on a podcast that's just so happens to be coming up this weekend on what needs to happen after Dublin or nothing. That's going to be out on Sunday with me and Sidge talking about the, the future direction of a, lot of a lot of titles and what have you. But um, at some point, I'd love someone to cut a promo on the books and Tony Schiavone stood with them for some reason and says, oh, not much reaction from you guys. And they go, oh, yeah, sorry. We've had Botox all over our face and we, uh, we've we got no way to. Fresh.
1: Um, before we get to Hamford very quickly, Kazarian and Death Triangle versus the Bucks of the Good Brothers. Eight man tag next week before Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy. My word, yeah, that's sensational. I
0: mean, I'm sure those four lads in the ring are going to do some great stuff, Hamlet. But in reality, this is all going to be about Brandon Cutler versus Alex Abrahantes on the outside, isn't
2: it? Well, yeah, let's let's hope that Alex Abrahant is still features. I was thinking about um, Kaz doing the uh, the old telly pose that he used to do in TNA, and for one night, it could be Death Square as well, because as the Elite, he could join (laughs) them join them for the night. really like that because i think it gives like it's it's an important next step for cars in this angle and as well i don't want um like pack and penta to just slide again um i'm becoming i'm becoming unhappy with the booking of penta specifically in aw just actively unhappy with every step they take with him and i think at least and i do think the young bucks will win here i don't think like AW traditionally, not the company, even though it's non title to have pack and penta win this to like jump start them getting a title shot or get them up in the rankings or whatever. It just doesn't feel like the way they book and and fine too. The champions shouldn't be getting beaten. Um, but I, I don't really like them in this spot unless it's for that, unless it's for something with a bit more meat on it. I, I don't want like the young bucks can fight somebody every week in order for them to be able to like rub our noses in the fact they've beaten our favorites or just in general be obnoxious pricks, but like. There's a reason why this division is so stacked, is because there's teams to do that with every week. So I feel a little bit uncomfortable with Pack and Penta being one of those teams. I'd rather not think of them like that. So I much prefer, as Cedric sort of suggested, this to lead to more stuff for the Young Bucks to make more enemies. And I'm ready now um, for this division at large to show itself a little bit. Completely understood why the Young Bucks' first major program as heels was with, well, effectively like two singles. A mid-card main event guys rather than a, a proper tag team. But, and I don't know if this is because I'm thinking about how much I want to see Proud and Powerful step out of the shadow of this view they're in at the moment. Um, but I'm definitely ready for loads more tag teams to make this start feeling a bit more like a division chasing the belts again. I want to see Young Bucks under pressure from multiple different teams at once. I want to see more tag matches for ranking spots. Um, You've been doing an
1: awful lot of that, absolutely and...
2: It feels a little bit like there's a, a lack of a sense of targeting the titles from those tag teams. Like them, I like I'm sure the match I'm sure a lot of that goes unspoken, but I don't feel like I feel like some of the tag matches are a touch aimless. And I want the sensation that this great and stacked division they've got has more teams that are actually trying to win the belts and trying to take on the Young Bucks. I think it's a um a product of the Young Bucks being so involved in Kenny's stuff like being so involved in like a, a headline program effectively, which was the Moxley Kings and stuff. You know, it was, that you could call it like a, a co-main event or a semi-main event of double or nothing. It was such a big deal. Um, I almost want them to drop down a little bit into like feuding with some more of these tag teams. So I, like I welcome that in this regard, but I just, I don't want to see Pack and Penta like phase down after the fact.
0: They'd be forgiven, like you said, with the fallout of Double or Nothing to just, you know, announcing some championship celebrations and some, you know, so-and-so in action things uh, and just some bog-standard wrestling matches. Instead, we're getting a sodding bull rope match, Dustin Rhodes versus Nick comerotto Sweet Jesus, Michael Hambler, what's going to happen here?
2: Well, I would like to think that comerotto will just get this, like, violent flurry of offence on a Dustin Rhodes that is... Only too willing to sell him. I have no doubt, like sell for him. I have no doubt that they've worked through the kinks of this match a hundred times over in the factory. Um, Comorato has not been intentionally so, not been kind of exposed in a big way yet. We've not, well, we've seen a bit of what he can do, but it's mainly about looking at him. It's mainly about seeing him as a threat in this group, about like just how massive he is, about what an awesome throwback look he's got. You've got some eyes of that per- wooden chair, didn't he? He did, and he also that he was the perfect jobber for John Moxley that time because he was the only guy brave enough to sign the open contract. Like they've preserved this, the aura, this really like old school eighties um, vibe around Nick Camarota that I think Dustin Rhodes is subsequently like a perfect opponent for the, like the ball ropes, just a little bit cute. Dustin like, Rhodes had it in his hand when he entered the battle. Like that's how they've arrived at that. So that's like a, a little bit cute, but again, it like kind of like speaks to the the old school leanings that they're probably going with Camarota. So Like I've got faith. This will be entertaining. Um, It'll probably be better than Cody and Anthony Gogo, truthfully. The heel babyface dynamic is crystal clear, and the heel's going to do nasty, awful things and probably win. So I would imagine it'll probably be like better received than that match on Sunday.
1: I'm looking forward to this because, as I tweeted at the Double Nothing, Nick Comoreau was big in the ring. He <laughs> gets bigger every time I look at him. He's the perfect guy for that promotion because he acts as such a contrast to so much of the rest of the roster that he just appears more like a monster it's they're clever with the gimmicks i will say that absolutely wrong they have very suspiciously had the bull rope in dustin's hand more than once now, there's still not real reason for it but you know <laughs> done, like twice so okay. just to correct you there. um but they're not daft they realize that right we've got this unit love that word this massive unit of a bloke right how can we maximise his appeal? How can we build his strengths? Right, okay, well, he's massive and he has got he's a strong lad. Um, pair him with Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes is just an incredible veteran performer who can extract the best from anybody he works with. He's also quite large, so it looks like somewhat even in a way that it looks impressive for Komaroto to beat him. So you've got a guy who can guide Komaroto through it, a stipulation that you can totally buy is not just this weapon that's suddenly materialized, it's the bull rope, it's got huge connotations um with A's wrestling and dusty and JCP. So that works on that um side of things, and then also Comrade was so strong that he could feasibly grab the rope and just yeet Dustin Rhodes oh. into his forearm. Like, there's loads of stuff they can do with that rope that gets Komaroto over like an absolute beast. So I just think this is uh, for a TV match, you know. We're spoiled with this company. you have got a great dynamic, a weapon that should, if they book the match as I want it to be booked, let's be honest, <laughs> make the most out of with this complete monster. Um, and they've got the guy who, if Komaroto is green and he looks it, um, they should obscure that through um, his opponent. Very nicely booked all of this. Um, but Komaroto isn't someone that's so like hot and new and up and coming and over that I would take any result to be honest here like, it wouldn't be a great, sh- it would be weird if he lost but it wouldn't be like oh he's dead and buried so give me whatever they want, just do the rope spot in the forearm please <laughs>
0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be... On the other side of things with the Nightmare Family versus the Factory, uh, we've got a tag match. Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson versus QT Marshall and Anthony Agogo, who will be out for revenge after Double or
1: Nothing, Sige. Yeah, I really don't know what to make of this at all. Like, I'm not being funny, right? If AEW is bad consecutively for six months, I will then begin to completely bury it and think badly of it. So for that reason, I'm not really cynical about what happens to a go-go going forward, but there's a part of my brain that's just been rotted by WWE's booking. It just has. I see this match and I'm thinking, oh, this is just a thin way, a thin excuse for a go-go to get his heat back and for that to be of no dramatic consequence to the thing I've just seen because I've seen so much of it in WWE and because WWE looms so large over the wrestling world that you can't help but think it's just, it's oppressive, in terms of how it's conditioned you to watch this thing that you're meant to enjoy. So for that reason alone, I'm a little bit worried that any gravity of having defeated a go-go will just be neutralized here. Um, like If you at least made a bad decision, and I'm not convinced it is personally, but it feels like enough people are to the point where I'll say, you know what, I'm, I might be wrong on this. It just feels like either they're going to damage a go-go yet further, or wash away the gravity of the result. So I don't really know what to make of this other than, if you look at the the makeup of the match itself, it's probably a better idea to put a go-go in tags at this point. Um, I wouldn't say he got exposed in a long singles match, but it certainly wasn't... I certainly didn't get the vibe watching that match of, oh, Christ, he has a killer combat athlete with a legit background coming to stove Cody's head in, to use the the wonderful promo words of the man himself. I don't really get that from the match, and maybe this tag match is a way to be able to extract that.
2: Yeah, I didn't want to race to that identical conclusion. That that like I don't want to be the one with the bad faith comparisons of Cody to Triple H, so I don't want to be thinking of your Rob Van Dam's canes and Booker T's getting the pins on Raw that nobody remembers, or Brock getting his... Win extreme rules, things yeah. like that, like that, that kind of smacks of that. And I, I don't really want to make that com- like draw that comparison. Um, so I try to like think about where they might go with this instead. Um, is there a possibility if Anthony Gogo can go and get a bit more seasoning and they can take their time? Like you can you can look at the Cody Rhodes match uh, in K I mean, as a learning experience where he just fell short on the big stage when he was full of confidence and full of beans beforehand, like his tweets now for the want of a better phrase, pack less of a punch than they did seven days ago because he's lost. You know, like receiving all of this in KFA, he's lost. So like being able to run his mouth doesn't feel quite as cool anymore because he fell a little bit short that first time. Could Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson win with a victory over Cutie Marshall and Anthony Ogogo and then Agogo stick one in Cutie Marshall's ribs and leave the factory and leave behind Cutie Marshall and go it alone? And we see that like... I'm not saying he has to befriend Cody and I'm not saying he has to stay with whatever. I, I don't know what do they have like, is it like the old big brother with the bars? Do they have two sides of the factory each now? So he doesn't have to cross the doesn't have to cross the side and work with Cody, but he just has to think, you know what? Like, I don't think this was me. Like I know my punching power and I know my skill set. And this crap Tony Soprano knockoff isn't helping me. And that was proven on Sunday when I lost to Cody. It won't happen again but I'm going to do it by myself and I'm going to go about it in my own way. And it gives you kind of a reason to like, I don't know, like take him off television a little bit, like go back to the basics with like vignettes and stuff like that. We've had this awesome explosive start where they've done a really good job of establishing a finisher, um, but, he, but losing when it counts does matter, even if you're losing to the experienced pro wrestler. So maybe like a back to basics build with him and he starts racking up the the dark and dark elevation wins with that knockout blow.
0: I think the best way to have AW fans, in the words of QT Marshall, forget about it, uh, when it comes to <laughs> lots of Anthony go, is, and this is probably just the sadist coming out again, is have him really uh, hospitalise Lee Johnson. I think I think he goes in, I think he's got the excuse of, like I, my ribs are injured. You know, you uh, you target the eye, you target the ribs. It's like you didn't put out a fair fight there, Cody. And I I, I don't know. that. I feel like there's a storyline there. Maybe because I'm just like, we've got to do something with Cody and you can't really put him in a title picture. And he's going to go away for a bit, you would presume. any Well, from certainly from TV, uh, when, when Brandy's due, which I assume is in the next few months um, from what I've seen on social media. Uh, I, I think sending him into, like, not to, you know, copy what's going on with Hangman Page or has been going on with Hangman Page, I should say but send him into a spiral of like, yeah, you're all well and good looking after you, Cody. It's everyone around you who gets buggered up because of you. Something like that. So Cody's busy, you know, hitting the crossroads and pinning QT Marshall. They can still get the victory. But Anthony Agogo just punch, punch, and then that elevator, you know, whatever you want to call it, when he throws them up in the air and then just breaks their ribs, basically. Uh, I don't know whether you do something like that. It's, it's that, That's the beauty of this, I suppose, Sid, just before we move on, that, it's quite unpredictable. This, it's not just someone getting their heat back
1: necessarily. I mean, yeah, I'd really like to um hope that isn't the case. Um, I should have been conditioned by AEW, not WWE by right now, to think that AEW is not going to do WWE things. Um, who the hell knows? I still think that a bunkhouse has got potential given that they've already used some of the, the associated plunder. Um, in which case, like if tomorrow a go go and QT Marshall win, I still will trust the process and think, all right, okay, well, it's one, one battle lines have been like drawn and they could do the bunkhouse and which faction emerges best. Like Mm. this company knows how to book. I'm just Sunday felt like a misstep. So Mm. you're going to have to doubt the process as a result.
0: When do they return to Wednesday nights? Is it like, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? Where it's like probably this date, but then also with the NBA, you're not really
1: sure. Is that right? I think so. Um, I think it's to be determined by outside factors. Mm. My big concern is the fact that they're probably going to have to tape Omega versus Jungle Boy. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they're going to do consecutive tapings with whichever fans they have in attendance. Spoilers will be out there. and I don't want to see them. Or do they go back to just a closed set with the idea that they don't want people to spoil that result, but you need the people there? I'd rather have, I don't know. It's just, but I just want to back on goddamn Wednesdays. I want to back on the goddamn road. So, you know what, does, like, so does our podcast
2: know, schedule. Like I know that there was like a, a, like minuscule audience difference, but what an advert this is for the TBS move as well. Because mm. if this was going to be like an annual thing, and we had last summer with the like episodes moving to Saturdays and things like that, and um, it's coming back to like Raw getting preempted for the dog show, isn't it? Like nice. it's like, it's an absolute nightmare for like weeks and weeks on end. So yeah, it, it adds more like strength to the the TBS move. It's theirs their slot, and it, it can't be shifted for anything.
0: Uh, you mentioned the number one contender there, Sidge, Jungle Boy. He is tagging with Christian Cage tonight to take on Private Party. Uh, I love the relationship that Jungle Boy and, and Christine Cage established. There's the, the highlight of the uh, casino battle royal, uh, which we will fix on Sunday, myself and, and Michael Sidgwick on our Get The Table podcast, all about Double or Nothing for life. But anyway, they are tagging against Private Party and, uh, well, presumably game the victory, Sidge.
1: Yeah, can you remember, Wilborn, we did a um, podcast all about what Christian's going to do in AEW, um, shortly after Revolution, and we pitched like it'd be great if he worked some of the greener tag teams like Private Party and Top Flight, yeah. Right? And we were racking our heads to say, right, Tony Khan is much better at this than we are, um, and he will just create a, a tag team partner for Christian Cage that works perfectly, and we can't see it because we're not Tony Khan. We were going through the list of like roster members who could conceivably be his tag team partner because it's good that an expert tag team wrestler like Christian can have a younger guy by his side, teach him and coach the, these greener tag teams who need to come along and Christian can facilitate that brilliantly. And what happens a Christian Cage and jungle boy <laughs> together? And what a tag team that is. A tremendous tag team that is. And um, this match, I expect to be private Party's best effort in quite some time. Um, they teased Christian and Matt Hardy doing something um, during the Battle Royale. Uh, if they do doing it in front of fans, back on the road, with this acting as a beat towards that, then yes, I'll be happy purely because if there's any kind of nostalgia match, that isn't going to be like anything more than a Gentleman's 3. It needs a full crowd to be able to roll that one over the line. So if they can save that, if in fact it does build to that ahead of that, then yes, I just think that this will be very good. And the only storyline direction stemming from it, I can see, is to further bring Christian Cage and Matt Hardy closer together to give Christian Cage something to do um, before the Kenny Omega deal. And obviously, he has got unfinished business with Team Taz. Loads of directions here, but I'm really excited to see Private Party again in a match that should get the best out of them.
2: Mm. Yeah, I kind of I love the prospect of this Christian Cage and Jungle Boy team being a thing they can go back to like fairly regularly as they like very slowly tiptoe tiptoe towards what I imagine will be like a Christian Cage heel turn down the road. Um they're sort of a a perfect pairing in that regard because Jungle Boy it's it's easy to say now with the second you look at as him as the number one contender and with Christian Cage as a partner that Jurassic Express was maybe the mid card act holding him back. And it's not something he has to abandon, but all of a sudden just visually and how you perceive him feels differently almost overnight. Um, And I think how they can use that is that obviously Christian Cage can then feel like he's taking him under his wing, but within the body of the matches, Jungle Boy can outwork him, which is Christian's whole deal. He outworks everybody. But he's found a guy that is his mate who can outwork him. So you don't need to rush to a heel turn or anything, but you can just plant those seeds. You can see that Jungle Boy is younger, is like kind of, like, can fly, is just, like, generally fitter, like, less worried about injuries because he's not got this, like, long rehabilitation that he's just gotten over. All of these things that allow him, basically give him an advantage of how he's going to outwork Christian. And the first time Christian's come face-to-face with somebody maybe he can't outwork. And I really like the idea of them dropping that in for what I assume will be an eventual turn for Christian, probably on Jungle Boy, dating all the way back to the Casino Battle Royale, which only, like... Again, like adds weight to that match and adds weight to people's memories of that and carries a pretty middling match at double enough and makes it like better in people's memories. Um, so I really like this book and the fact it's a private party is great because as subject says there, Christian Cage, Matt Hardy, it's kind of like a natural direction to go in. Um, even if it's just like a throwaway dynamite match, like it's it, it's something quite nice to promote once for a short eight or nine minutes. Um, really love what was happening with Cage and team Taz. Uh, so again, I think, like, I don't think that's going to be something that's going to get dropped. But yeah, like Christian Keynes and Jungle Boy teaming together at this point in Jungle Boy's Ascension, I think is absolutely fascinating for the stuff that will come months from now. And I think.
0: As part of this match, we may see a, a surprise appearance from the 26-year-old piece of gold. I want to be a cowboy, baby. Of course, eliminated by Matt Hardy from the... I don't really know what his position is within uh, within uh, AEW. Handshake agreement is, is, is all I've read. Uh, He's in,
1: under New Japan contract, but obviously the Forbidden Door allows him to
0: work AEW. So, yeah, I just feel like maybe Hardy comes down, tries to get involved for his boys and then leo rush does some mad sodding die, but i like you say i think hardy and cage especially considering what we saw when we had hardy and rush working together it just fits better and leo rush cannot go off and do some mad stuff because he's just insanely talented and I'm, god damn i'm so happy to see him back on my television screen uh speaking of things we're all insanely happy about uh Britt baker is your new aew women's world champion she's having a celebration tonight Hamfler. what could possibly go wrong
2: <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this. Um, one of the things I mentioned on the Double or Nothing uh, review was that the fans were almost too pleased for a bit Baker that it, like, just, I don't want to say damaged because I don't think the match was that awesome anyway, but there was just no way that they were going to go along with this awesome heel that she's, this awesome heel character that she's crafted over a year, basically. Um, it's this character that's brought her to this level. And people were just so happy to see it that she was received as this massive baby face. The Tony Shivani hug was awesome, but was also very warm. So that was only going to like enhance the cheers. I think tonight, um, everybody knows their role, as it were. Like Britt Baker is going to be at her awesome villainous best. I think the fans are going to get that joy that they want to share with her out of the system and get back to hating her. And looking at the rankings, um, Thunder Rosa is right there as a potential first challenger and Ty Conti is one match behind and a one win behind and Britt Baker's whole deal was that she was just plugging away winning and winning and winning until it was until the car she had absolutely no choice and it was like not it's my turn but it was her turn through assembling those wins so I feel like the interruption doesn't have to feel like your common garden NXT interruption it can be where well, you did it through the rankings well now If it's Ty Conte, well, now I'm going to do it for the rankings. i got a match next week, and I'll see you in two. Or Thunder Rosa saying, I'm at the top of the list. And who blooded you up in one of the most important matches in AEW history? I think you have two immediate angles for Britt Baker. Like, I'm so excited for this women's division, by the way. Like, Britt Baker as a champion with this raft of cool new challengers that are all having good to great matches on Dynamite. Like it's like new era stuff, honestly, like felt like a prop, like not to sort of like diminish Shida herself, but in terms of like the reset, the start really felt like it's happening on Sunday. And like, we can actually fantasy book. This isn't the generic match in the third quarter, hour, which they somehow went back to after Rosa and Britt Baker. This is different. This is a segment that's going to matter setting up other stuff. That's going to matter.
1: Yeah. As we've said before, as I've said before on this podcast, like people were wondering why hasn't the, why haven't the strapped Britt Baker yet? Prepare is clearly the star of this division. Like, they clearly have more investment in her than Hikaru Shida, even. And it turns out he had to build a division first. Like, it's it's really, he knows what he's doing. And when you see the division he's built and now who's at the centerpiece of it, it's all converged to come together. um, And he's bought himself like loads and loads and loads of um, like investment in this women's division from the fandom by the fact that he's done this. I want to kill a killer promo from Baker. I fully expect it. Um, it's interesting on not so much of who's the first challenger. I think we'll get to that imminently um, when we discuss the the Tolkien women's match on this card, just to completely <laughs> undermine everything I've just said. Um, it'll be interesting in terms of which direction they take with Baker. Do they just accept the inevitable and turn a baby face? Do they realize, hang on, we've just built loads of baby faces that so that would require a shredding of the plans. They've got Red Velvet, Ty Conti, Thunder Rosa, um Chris Statland has picked up the odd win and came back. She kind of has to stay heel for this division to be a good division. Mm. Um because they've been very elegant and careful in building all of these baby faces for it to run through. So how do they the question is do they keep her a face? A uh, heel, I think, yes, because of everything I've just said. How do they then possibly maintain her as a heel in the eyes of the audience? Cut to her. They've had the nice moment with Tony Schiavone. Right now, she can be an asshole to him again.
0: Mm.
1: I think they should do that. Um Tony Schiavone is like the perfect man. He's the perfect guy to... Divert the heat away from, or like divert the support that's just raining down on Baker away from her. If she can be a complete dickhead to Tony Schiavone, he's so instrumental in getting things over. He's so beloved that that is the key to me. Mm. And I think they need to have that because, as I said, like there's so many baby faces they are quietly building. Yeah, he turns to her and says,
0: What a sensational moment last weekend. How did it feel? And she turns to him and goes, Why are you the way that you are? You took my moment away from me. You stole my spotlight. He's like, I'm just happy for you. He wants wanted to give you... Get away from me. Get your dirty paws away from me. Uh, Red Velvet versus the bunny, Sid. You alluded to it there. Um, how do you see this developing the rest of the women's
1: division? I see a win for Red Velvet and um, do some stuff on Dark and Dark Elevation to vault up those rankings. All the could just like... I don't mind it when they do this. All the, the champion's going to face the number four contender... Good. It's not a pay-per-view and they've been visually built as a winner. So I don't care. She doesn't have to necessarily go to number one every time. But I think Red Velvet wins here and puts her in line for a a women's title eliminator against Dr. Britt Baker. And what a perfect match. We said the other week, Red Velvet is now in the old Jungle Boy position. Mm. Because Jungle Boy is now not there anymore. He's totally um, evolved. She can be in the old Jungle Boy position endearing effervescent babyface loads of fire loads of guile who can lose because they embrace imperfections on this program not everyone's this championship caliber athlete emerging from nxt to change everything and then everyone's just 50 50 as hell where's damien priest by the way they embrace weak points or perceived weak points of their characters because they realize it all goes to build a story red velvet is too inexperienced to defeat Britt Baker, who's now got the experience and the confidence and the championship qualities to to defeat her. That's where I would go with all of this.
2: Yeah, I I can't really add to that. I think she's like a perfect television opponent, which again, as Cedric pointed out, doesn't rely on her being at the top of the rankings to get that. Um, I think it's like, it's sort of a big match for Red Velvet in the sense that she'll be um, expected to like really stand out in it, um, not necessarily carry the load as such, but certainly against someone like the bunny, the win is a guarantee. So it becomes less about the result and more about how she looks in it, um, which I guess was the same with the matches against uh, Jade Cargill, same thing, you know. So i like I've got a lot of faith in it. I'd, like I really really love to watch Red Velvet, and I like to watch similar to Jungle Boy. I, I like I've really enjoyed the development so far, and there is enough trust and faith in the process that when the time is right, or when they perceive the time to be right. On pulling the trigger, they'll they'll get it right, mm-hmm. and they'll get her elevation correct. And I do I think I think she'd make a great one week challenger for a Brit Baker, but not even just Baker for the title. Just other heel. Like I'd like to see her work Nyla Rose at some point. Like give it a bit of give us a bit of a break, and then she can have one more go at Jade Cargill stuff like that. I want to see her in all those baby face spots. So I don't really need to see a rush to the title now. It's again, it's like ordinarily this would look like the token dynamite women's quarter hour match, but because you've got Britt Baker celebration and a raft of challenges for Brick Baker. This is division stuff. This mm. is stuff that SmackDown and Raw aren't offering you ever. So, like, I'm in favour of it.
0: Uh, finally, you're talking about double or nothing for that. Like, we're not going to spend, you know, time talking about every single person. You know, no offences to to Miro, Hangman Page, Sting, Darby Allen. We are going to talk more about that uh, on Sunday's podcast uh, with what needs to happen with double or nothing. But in terms of, like, the big things that happened at double or nothing, Hamflet. What's next for the likes of Kenny Omega, the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle? It's difficult to see where you go next for, for all of them, really, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I don't know. And like, not to sound brutal, after everything we've talked about, I'm not arsed. Um, it's a good card, this Dynamite. And Kenny Omega's got Jungle Boy yeah. next week. So that's his, as far as I'm concerned, that's his distraction. He's pulled immediately away from Pack and Orange Cassidy. Partly in character because he's probably not going to want to think about how close he came to losing the title especially to orange cassidy that won't get forgotten um but jungle boy is the direction so fine and i've run out of patience with the inner circle in the circle and the pinnacle to such degree that i don't have it in me to like waste mental energy on fantasy booking in a hope that they get it right again but that, like i know plenty of people enjoy stadium stampede so i don't want to speak for everybody there but like for my entertainment get this right and make the pinnacle feel meaningful and make Chris Jericho feel a little less vain the net positive of all of this is Sammy Guevara in both matches um as I said as I said in the review for double nothing I think at double uh, blood and guts they showed you stadium San they told you a little bit for me but nonetheless he is absolutely broken out of this thing as like one of the next big single stars so net positive in that regard but it might have come at the expense of the pinnacle. So I don't have any ideas because what if we, as we always do, try and pitch something creative and cool and then you get like a bubbly bath, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the best now, rather than being able to think of ideas for it.
0: Yeah. I suppose Sitch, tonight is just going to be probably an unbearable promo from Kenny Omega, no selling what happened on Sunday and, and looking ahead to beating this long haired dweeb from Bush or something it's gonna say. Uh yeah. and then yeah, in this in a circle and pinkles intriguing because we 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 we've umdenard and, and we talk more about it again on Sunday's podcast regarding how you follow up, you know, Stadium Stampede Two
1: and Blood and Guts with them. Just listen to the podcast that drops on Sunday.
0: <laughs> Look at that. There you go. That's a hell of a tease. Uh yeah, we go into a lot of details. That's,
2: that's a tease for me. Even I've got to listen to that one because I'd like to know what Cedric and you think. I like oh. Christ, I have to make yeah, time for that on the weekend, as well as this bloody dynamite, frigging it.
0: We talk about... Uh, what's to make yeah.
2: time for dynamite, mother.
0: <laughs> Next title challenges. Uh, we talk about fixing the, the Casino Battle Royal. And I make a very... I get very carried away after what happened with Sting at Double or Nothing. But you have to go and check out the podcast, which is released on Sunday lunchtime here in the UK uh, to find out more thoughts on that. But let us know your thoughts ahead of AEW Dynamite tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts, of course. But for now, my thanks to the Dudley Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.